Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. find it kind of interesting what uh, people in different areas boast about. Um, we who are living up here in the Northland and can't afford to go south for the winter boast about how cold it is and how much snow we've gotten, how many blizzards we've had this season, and how tough we are to endure it. Uh, when I lived up in uh, Minot, North Dakota, um, just north of there was the air base, and, and they had a sign above the entrance of the base that said, only the best come north. And, uh, and the local saying was also this, 20 below keeps the riffraff out. <laughs> Living here in uh, northern Minnesota, I, I've seen several different versions of this uh, official Minnesota temperature conversion chart. And just mentioned some uh, little examples from it. Um, 60 above, Arizonians turn on the heat. People in Minnesota plant gardens. 45 above, Californians shiver uncontrollably in Minnesotans sunbathed. 20 above, Floridians don coats and thermal underwear, gloves and woolly hats, and people in Minnesota throw on a flannel shirt and the Girl Scouts go selling cookies door to door. 15 above, Philadelphia landlords finally turn up the heat, and people in Minnesota have the last cookout before it gets cold. 40 below, people in Minnesota start saying, cold enough for you? <laughs> and then uh, several of them had this example at the very end, 500 below, hell freezes over, and the Vikings win the Super Bowl. I <laughs> <laughs> also saw this little Minnesota poem. It's winter in Minnesota and the gentle breezes blow 70 miles an hour at 35 below. Oh, how I love Minnesota when the snow's up to your butt. You take a breath of winter air and your nose gets frozen shut. Yes, the weather here is wonderful, so I guess I'll hang around. I could never leave Minnesota because I'm frozen to the ground. <laughs> we all need a little humor to get us through the long winter, don't we? And, and, uh, but enough of boasting about our winters here. I, I'm glad that you all ventured out after blizzard number four, or was it five for the season? I've lost count. But in the text that we're going to look at today in 2 Corinthians, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about boasting. And we're going to consider what people often boast about, and we see examples of that here in this text. And, and we see Paul then engage in some what I would call reverse boasting, as he responds to the boasting of the Judaizers. And the Judaizers were, were a group of Jewish folks who had become overly influential in this congregation at Corinth, and, and they had been slandering Paul's ministry among them before, and they'd been leading the congregation astray with an emphasis on work righteousness rather than on salvation in Christ. And, and so Paul sees them as false apostles and as tools in the hands of Satan. I invite you to look with me at chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, and would you stand in reverence to God's word? Beginning with verse 16 here then, 
Again I say, let no one think me foolish, but if you do, receive me even as foolish, so that I also may boast a little. What I'm saying, I am not saying as the Lord would, but as in foolishness, in this confidence of boasting. Since many boast according to the flesh, I will boast also. For you being so wise, tolerate foolish gladly. For you tolerate it even if anyone enslaves you, or anyone devours you, or anyone takes advantage of you, or anyone exalts himself, anyone hits you in the face. To my shame, I must say that we have been weak by comparison. But in whatever respect anyone is bold, I speak in foolishness, I'm just as bold myself. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I, more so, in far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I've spent in the deep, I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. And I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from such external things, there is a daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches." Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? If I have to boast, I will boast of what pertains to my weakness. The God and Father of Lord Jesus, who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. In Damascus, the ethnarch under Eretus, the king, was guarding the city of um, Damascenes in order to seize me. And I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and so escaped his hands. Let's pray. Oh Lord God, as we consider the example of Paul and what he encountered as he sought to spread your gospel, Lord, would you teach us about our own attitudes, our own perspective on what's most important in life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. What do people that you know usually boast about. As I look in this text, I'm reminded of uh, four things that people, including the Judaizers at, at Corinth, often boast about. One of them is their ethnicity, another is their riches, also wisdom and strength. I want to just review and explain on them. First of all, ethnicity. Now, if you're Norwegian like I am, uh, we tell Norwegian jokes and we kid each other about eating lutefisk. But I'm also quite ready to tell people more than they maybe even care to hear about my ancestry. And I'd be glad to show you pictures of the Kwanbik farm in Norway and so on that I got to visit. Ethnic heritage is often a matter of pride. Riches. Most people who, <clears throat> excuse me, most people who have anything new uh, love to show it off. And that includes children all the way through adults. We boast in the things that we have or that we own. And in America, most all of us have something that we really didn't need, but we just got because we had money enough to buy it. We have a discretionary income. And so we boast in our possessions and our riches. Thirdly, wisdom. 
if we, if we can, we, we brag about our grades in school or our kids' or grandkids' uh, grades in school. We might even put it on a bumper sticker. Uh, we, we put titles and degrees in front of or behind our names to show people how smart we are. And, and um, we, we love to think of ourselves as, as smart compared to somebody else and, and probably maybe even tell stories about some stupid things that other people do. And then there's strength. And if we don't boast in our brains, we probably will boast in our brawn or beauty, our outward appearance, our, our muscles or athletic ability or something that we can do or have done physically. Well, Paul's response to these Judaizers boasting in their ethnic background and their ability to earn money for speaking and their great wisdom and their strength, and, and they're putting him down in each of these areas, was, was to say this, essentially. He says, now in one of these areas, I'm equal to them. And in the other three, I'm not. Let's look at that. First of all, we see Paul claims to be equal in his background in Judaism. Paul knows that the Judaizers are, are proud of their ethnic background, and they seem to have forgotten that he has this same um, rich ethnic heritage. Are they Hebrews? That's a word that defines their native tongue. They knew how to speak Hebrew. He says, so am I. So do I. Are, are they Israelites? And that's a word that means that they can trace their ethnic heritage back to one of the 12 tribes uh, that came from Israel or Jacob. And he says, well, so am I. So can I. Are the descendants of Abraham, the father of faith? So am I. And so as far as ethnic background and background rooted in God's chosen people, they're one and the same. The Judaizers have nothing over on Paul. He once was a Jewish Pharisee, an expert in their law. So no bragging rights could be earned there. And you know, for, for us, uh, something like that is true as well. You know, being Scandinavian really doesn't give me any advantage with God. He doesn't show any partiality because of our race. The, the Bible makes it clear that we all stand equal at the foot of the cross. We're all equally sinners in need of forgiveness, in need of the grace and mercy of God in Jesus Christ. And, and there won't be any special places in heaven for Norwegians or Swedes or any other race. Well, ethnicity is, is the area that Paul claims to be equal then to the Judaizers. And the other three, it's interesting to me that he does what I would call reverse boasting. The Judaizers boasted in how large a fee they could charge for their speaking and and thus in, in their earthly wealth, but Paul doesn't do that. He, he boasts not of his earthly riches, but rather he explains his poverty. He says, essentially, I'm poor. I do common labor with my hands, even though most learned men don't. Uh, he did tent making on the side to support himself. You look at verse 7 and following here. Apparently, when Paul had preached at, at Corinth previously, he had done so without charge, and had at times been in financial need. But he hadn't wanted to tell them about this need, and he'd relied on other churches to so support him while he was there. And, and he is saying here then, I, I refuse to take money from you while on my second missionary journey because I didn't want my receiving of compensation to in any way hinder my ministry of the Word of God to you. And as I think about that, now it's possible that Paul didn't take money from the Corinthians partly because... With taking money can come a tendency to water down the message rather than offend the source of the income. 
And, and there were some moral issues that Paul needed to speak very strongly concerning there at Corinth. And you know, today too, this, this might be the case. Some pastors might hesitate to speak out uh, against a certain sin. Because doing so will offend someone in the pew, and it could also then affect what comes in the offering plate. I, I've known pastors who would hesitate to speak out on current moral issues, like abortion, or living together as an unmarried couple, or other sexual relationships outside of marriage, or homosexuality, and so on, out of concern of offending someone and losing their financial support. But you know, Scripture calls such pastors hirelings rather than true shepherds of the flock. Once I saw an ad, one such pastor even advertised that he would do funerals and say something nice about the deceased, no matter who it was, for a price. Paul would rather be poor than compromise God's message. He didn't boast about his earthly riches. He seemed unconcerned about that area. Instead of boasting in how much money he would charge for speaking like the Judaizers appear to have done in the past, he instead speaks of his poverty, his tent-making business, and his taking gifts from other congregations in order to keep preaching there at Corinth. Thirdly, we see Paul boasts not of his worldly wisdom, but actually of being foolish in the eyes of the world for the sake of Christ. And, and this is an issue that he had addressed in this first letter to the church at Corinth, and, and he knows that the message of the cross is a message that many learned men will have a hard time accepting. And if you look back at chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, he says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world, world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. A Messiah who was crucified seemed like a hurdle for both Jews and, and Greeks to receive or accept. They wanted a Messiah who was like a conquering king. And Jesus on the cross looked weak to them instead of strong. It seemed foolish instead of wise. They couldn't seem to understand that Jesus' death was for them, was for their sins, because he was their substitute sin bearer. The Judaizers seemed to be instead trying to turn the Corinthian Christians against Christ, or at least to take the focus off of him and put it back on them and on their works. And they sought to wow this congregation with their oratory skills and their, and their knowledge of Judaism. And Paul, rather than boasting in this, his great learning, reverse boasts. And he, he says he's willing to be considered a fool for Christ. If you look at verse 16 here, I paraphrase it. He's saying, if you wish to listen to the Judaizers and consider me foolish, then bear with me in a little foolish boasting, since you're used to listening to that type of thing from them anyway. And, and he says this in Galatians. He says, it, it may, excuse me, may it never be, that I would boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul goes on then to also compare his supposed, the supposed strength of the Judaizers with his own supposed weakness. But before we look at that next point here, I want to just ask you, think of, 
Think about this area in your life. Are, are you willing to be considered foolish for the sake of the Christ? When, when much of the world thinks, well, what we really need is if we just had more education, then we, we would gain this, we, we would arrive at this utopian world that would be completely at peace. Are you willing to be one that would stand up and say, no, mankind is by nature selfish and sinful, and there is no hope for mankind apart from repentance and forgiveness that's found in the cross of Christ. Then fourthly, Paul boasts not of his might, but rather of his weakness. That seems a bit backwards, doesn't it? How many men do you know that would like to stand up and boast about how weak they are? I'm so weak I can't even lift. You fill in the blank. Not very impressive, is it? But that's what Paul's doing here. He's saying, I am weak. Let me tell you how weak I am. And he refers to these Judaizers as being ones who were led from a, who, who were leading from a position of strength. They came into the congregation and they exerted their muscles, so to speak. They, they led by intimidation and they lorded over the Christians there at Corinth and they took advantage of them, maybe even using physical bullying to get their way. Verse 20 hints at that, saying, talking about hitting them in the face. And, and the Corinthians then just let them push their way in and take over the church. And Paul sought to live and to lead in a very different way than that. He sought not to be a bully, but to be a servant of the congregation with the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. And the list of things he endured for the gospel, he shows what he is willing to do, how he's willing to sacrifice to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you look at that in verse 23 and following there, what he was willing to do as a servant of Christ, he lists labors, imprisonments, so many beatings that he lost count, often in danger of death. He went through whippings five times with 39 lashes, um, beating with rods from, by the Romans, being, um, Jews intending to kill him by stoning. Three times he was shipwrecked. Uh, he ended up spending a, a full night and day in the water. Um, he mentions many other dangers, labors and hardships, sleepless nights, food shortages often, and, and exposure to the elements. And then he says, and if that wasn't enough, then there were, the, there were the other things. There was the internal, the daily pressure of concern for the churches and the people in them. And it's interesting to look at this long list of Paul's difficulties that he went through. And, and we might tend to look at that like a, a macho brag list. And we, might, we men might think, well, we're kind of wimpy in comparison. I haven't gone through all those things. Um, when was the last time any of us endured a physical hardship for the ministry of Christ? Maybe some sleepless nights. Maybe hungry once or twice. I sure can't compare to the Apostle Paul or to what Jesus went through physically for us. But you know, as you look further at this here, at Paul's list and the words that follow, I see something else here. Paul's not boasting about his macho-ness here. He's boasting about his weakness. Reverse boasting here. Paul doesn't say here, you know, I encountered all these things, and when I encountered the Jewish mobs, I took them on single-handedly, Rambo style. It's not what he's saying here. No, he said, I encountered a mob, and I was so weak and helpless, I couldn't do a thing. They almost killed me. And I've been weak and helpless so many times, I can't count them. And if you look back at that list, every one of them, show his situation being weak and helpless. He was weak and helpless 
And he says here, verse 30, if I have to boast, I'll boast in that, in what pertains to my weakness. I'm so weak and helpless in all of these situations, but God has been strong. And he delivered me time and time again. He helped me when I couldn't help myself. He provided for me when I had no resources of my own. And friends here today, God can do the same for you and I if we will trust him to do so. What helpless situation do you find yourself in today? Maybe it's something with your health or finances or relationships or your work situation. Maybe you're feeling up against the wall in some issue and you don't know what to do. Will you try boasting in your weakness and in God's strength? He's still able to overcome all kinds of obstacles for the sake of his children and, and to, in order to get his message out to the world and offer them hope. There's one other thing that we see here Paul boasting in besides uh, his poverty and being a fool for Christ and being weak. He, he says that he has a heart concern for individuals and for all the churches. He thinks of the churches that he's gone through and traveled to and, and shared the gospel with, and he sees and hears about their weakness and their vulnerability. And he's saying, in all those things I went through, those difficulties I encountered, they were just external things compared to this internal overwhelming burden I have. Every day a concern for the churches I've helped to start, and I hear of them going through weakness and difficulty, and it tears at my heart, and I'm so weak and helpless to help them, I don't know what to do. And there, too, he found God was his strength. God was the one he could go to in prayer constantly for those people. And maybe you too have somebody you're concerned about. You've got a heavy burden on your heart for somebody and, and you feel so weak and helpless to do anything about it. Bring them to the Lord in prayer. And trust in your helplessness that he can strengthen you and he, that, he can, that he cares for you and he'll answer your prayer for your loved ones. As I think of Paul and what he went through proclaiming the gospel, I wonder what am I willing to risk to spread the message of Christ and the cause of his church. You see, it's, it's when we're willing to step out of our comfort zone and take some risks that we end up like Paul, realizing how helpless we are and how much we need to rely on God for strength. And it's then that the Christian life gets exciting because you see God answer our prayers. The hymn writer said it this way, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving has only begun. We're all so weak individually, but God is strong. As we conclude, there's, there's one thing else I want to share with you here. A commentary on 2 Corinthians pointed something out rather interesting to me. And he talked about Satan's strategy at Corinth, the congregation there, and really regarding any church. And he said Satan's strategy involves three things. One, it involves keeping sinners in spiritual blindness so that they're unable to see their sinful spiritual condition and the glory of Christ as Savior for them. Secondly, Satan would like to divide and weaken the body of Christ, cause bitterness and unforgiveness among believers. And thirdly, he'd like to sever believers from Christ by teaching them false doctrine and to trust in something else instead of Christ. And Satan was working in all three of those there at Corinth and and he does here at Maranatha too. But as we humble ourselves and we admit that we and ourselves are not very rich, we're not very wise, we're not very strong, but we know the one who is, 
who's unlimited in his riches and wisdom and strength. And we rest in him and his promises. And he has said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so we boast in Christ and his cross and what he accomplished there of salvation for you and for me. Let's pray. Well, Lord God, we thank you for the example of Paul, willing to live his life in danger often to share the gospel out of heart concern for his brethren of the Jewish background and for those that came from other perspectives as well. And Lord, we thank you that you empowered him when he was weak and helpless. Uh, you gave him words to say when he felt um, unwise and unsure. And Lord, we thank you that you care for each one of us and you help us as we come to you humbly, admitting our weakness and our need. And Lord, you know each one of us and you know the things we're going through in our lives. And may we be encouraged this day to know that when we are weak, you are strong. And Lord, that, that you can use even, even us as, as we then share testimony of what you've done for us. There'll be others too that find hope in Jesus Christ. Forgiveness of sin in him and his power as they go through this life. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.